tonight, I want to talk about the two doors to your miracle. We're going to read Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. And you can follow along, but I'm going to be reading from the Living Bible Translation. Starting in verse number one, it says, About that time, King Herod moved against some of the believers and killed the Apostle James, John's brother. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of 16 soldiers. Herod's intention was to deliver Peter to the Jews for execution after the Passover. But earnest prayer was going up to God from the church for his safety all the time he was in prison. The night before he was to be executed, he was asleep, double-chained between two soldiers, with others standing guard before the prison gate when suddenly there was a light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood beside Peter. The angel slapped him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your shoes. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a dream or vision and didn't believe it was really happening. They passed the first and second cell blocks and came to the iron gate to the street, and this opened to them of its own accord. So they passed through and walked along together for a block, and then the angel left him. Peter finally realized what had happened. It's really true, he said to himself. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. After a little thought, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for a prayer meeting. He knocked at the door in the gate and a girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back inside to tell everyone that Peter was standing outside in the street. They didn't believe her. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. They must have killed him. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally went out and opened the door, their surprise knew no bounds. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them what had happened and how the Lord had brought him out of jail. Tell James and the others what happened, he said, and left for safer quarters. I'm going to get the last verse in the King James. It says, but he beckoning unto them, with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. 
And the King James Version says, and he departed and went into another place. Once again, I want to talk about the two doors to your miracle. When you get home, you can read through the rest of the chapter, but I'm only going to stop. At, I'm going to stop at verse number 17 for tonight. But there's four things that's that's listed in this chapter. Number one, we see the power of Satan, which is displayed by Herod, King Herod. He was driven by the spirit of the devil to persecute the church. Next, you see the power of prayer. The miracle of Peter's deliverance was brought about by the prayers of the church. Then we see the power of God's wrath, which is God's judgment pronounced on Herod when he received worship from people and refused to give God glory. God brought down judgment upon him. And then finally, we see the power of God's hand, because even after all of this persecution of the church, the Bible says that the word of God grew and multiplied. King Herod, we read here, was a people pleaser. He only went after Peter because his approval ratings skyrocketed after he killed James. You got to watch out for how folks treat you when they're around certain crowds. Are they people pleasers? Who are they being influenced by in how they treat you? There is an influential spirit behind your persecution. There's an influential spirit behind your test or your trial, your circumstance. Although it may seem natural, it may seem physical, it may seem that you can see it with the natural eye, but know that we are in a spiritual warfare. You got to try the spirits to see whether they be of God or not. This is something that we have kind of let down our guards in Christianity because we're so trusting that everything looks like God, acts like God, dresses like God. You got to try. Put it to the test. Look how it acts under certain circumstances. Yeah, you say you love me, I'm your brother, I'm your sister, but, but when I'm in dire needs, when I'm broke, when I'm sick, what do you do then? Are you really saved then? Or do you just say, I'm going to pray for you? We read that Peter had been at rest, arrested at least two other times, but this arrest was different. This time, Peter was alone, and the deliverance didn't come right away. The other two times, he was able to witness, but this time, there's no special opportunity given to his witness. We read that he's released from prison, he goes to the prayer meeting, and the Bible dismisses him off to the page. As a matter of fact, this is the last thing we read about Peter. He's only mentioned one other place in the book of Acts, and that's at the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15 which he didn't have a very large role at. This is his final test that we read about in the scriptures. 
His other two arrests took place after great victories. But this one followed the death of James. So in Peter's mind, this test probably felt a little different. I'm not in jail because somebody was raised from the dead this time. In fact, the last time he was in prison, it was because folks were healed from his shadow. That's why they arrested him the last time. But this time, there's no miracles happening with Peter. There's only the death of his dear brother. And not only that, but it's the death of his dear brother around the time when they were remembering the sacrifice of Christ. So they placed him under 16 soldiers. Hold on to that. But it was four soldiers for the four different watches. They split watches by six-hour shifts. So he had four shifts of four soldiers that watched him. The number four is man's number, and here it is squared. It is four squared. King Herod used all of the manpower that he could to the best of his ability and still couldn't do anything against one of God's servants. The Bible says that if God be for us, who can be against us? I'm afraid that we don't understand who we are when we go through so much in life. You got to realize in the test who you are. Because if you realize it, then the fear won't be there. The fretting won't be there. The worry won't be there. So if God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 27 and 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Now, wait a minute. David wasn't just talking. There was no spiritual connotation to where he said they wanted to eat my flesh. Goliath and his brothers were cannibals. So David's really telling the truth here. They stumbled and fell. Now, now did they really stumble and fall? Because the Bible tells us that he was taken out by the smooth stone, David took five smooth stones. It wasn't that he might miss Goliath. Goliath had four brothers. And if they wanted to bring it, he had four more stones for them. See, what, what you got from God works. And it has to be delivered with pinpoint accuracy. You've got to direct your prayer to God in the exact place where you want to see him manifest in your life. Our text says that Peter was double chained. Each of Peter's bonds on his left and right were attached to the wrist of each soldier. The enemy will do all that he can to attach himself to you. He does this to manipulate your movement. He also does this to keep you on a leash. He wants to limit or set bounds to your boundaries. So if Peter moved, he was attached to them. 
If they moved, Peter was attached to them. The Bible says we cannot be yoked together with the unbeliever. We are too powerful to ever be limited by the enemy. I don't care how strong their chains were. They didn't realize the one who was at the other end of this chain. Your test, your trial, whatever you're going through, the spirit behind it does not realize the power that is on the other end of it. Because the power that resides in you is the power that spoke the creation into existence. And how could one little chain hold you back? How could one setback stop you from progressing in Christ? How could one trial ever deter you from your destiny in God? Don't allow it to happen. Know who you are. When God shows up, his anointing destroys the yoke. The attachment to the soldiers was destroyed when God stepped in the cell. But according to Isaiah 10 and 27, the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. The word anointing means the fatness of the neck. What happens is when they put yokes on animals, whether it was to till the field or whatever, they would get those animals and put yokes on them at young ages. When the calves, when the bulls were very young. See, but what happens is the bulls begin to grow because the Bible says to muzzle not the ox that treadeth the corn. So as that bull is working, as that ox is working, it's going to eat along the way. See, we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, but little did the devil know that God was going to do something throughout time that was going to cause our necks to start to fatten up. And once it got to a certain degree, that animal busted clean out of that yoke. And there was nothing they could do. That animal immediately went on his way. That's what anointing means. Anointing is not a feeling, a, a tingling in your spine that you get when somebody sings a pretty song. I know R&B singers that could put chills on my spine. I know piano players that could play riffs that can make goosebumps on my, on my arms. But the anointing of the Holy Ghost is invisible. It is a force. It is a spirit. And it works behind the scenes. It works in the heavens. What is in us is at work in the elements. It's at work in heaven. It's doing its job in hell, in the hidden parts of the universe. I wish we could understand this. If you read Acts chapter 5, verse number, verses number 19 through 24, read it when you get home. We read about Peter's first jailbreak. And here's a few things that we can note about this jailbreak. Number one. It happened at nighttime. 
Number two, the jail doors were locked. Maybe we ought to read it now. Let's get Acts chapter 5, verse number 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together in all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent them to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety. And the keepers were still in place. All of the vices that the devil tried to place on you are still in place. Drug addiction ain't changed. You changed. Fornication didn't change. You changed. Hatred and bitterness and envy and lying and jealousy and strife didn't change. They're still operating in the world today. But what happened is there was a change in you. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. All right, so the guards were still posted. And then we find them preaching before the high priest learned of their escape. When the high priest found out that Peter had escaped on his first escape, they were already doing the will of God again. See, when God lets you out, don't sit there and soak and say, this is what happened to me, woe is me, I spent three nights in prison, I, I need to go and take a vacation and get my mind together. No, as soon as God freed them, they went about the business of God. So by, by the time the enemy realizes that you're not even in his power anymore, you're not in his grips anymore, you're already on to the next anointing, the next level, the next job that God has for you to do. Bible says we have to work while it is day because the night cometh and no man can work. There's a reputation for escape. This is why they had to put 16 soldiers on Peter. Because at the last escape in chapter 5, they put two on him and he got away. Not only that, but he got away without them even knowing. It was as if he walked through the bars and they didn't know how he got out. So King Herod says, this fella has a reputation for being an escapee. The reason why your test seems so many times greater than before is because the devil knows that you have a reputation for getting out clean, scot-free. Just when he thought he had you before, you escaped. When he thought that he had you so fearful that there was no sight of faith or hope, you escaped. When he thought he had took your joy because he struck you with an illness, you escaped. I got a reputation. 
for escaping. They have magicians who are known as escape artists. But my escapes weren't by my own design. It's not magic. It's real. I have escaped. He allowed me to get away. So he said, this time, I want you to up the ante on him. He's not going to get away. He, he got away from the high priest before. But I'm not the high priest. I'm King Herod. He's not going to get away from me. So they placed 16 soldiers on him. The reason our tests increase in difficulty is because our reputation for escaping every snare of the devil. God makes a way of escape for every temptation. 1 Corinthians 10. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. The exit is built with the building, not after. They don't put doors in buildings after the building's up. In fact, when the frame is there, you can see the doors. When the devil was scheming his plot and framing your snare, anybody that wants to build anything has to get a permit to do it. The devil has to get permission to build your snare. He didn't even know who Job was. The devil, God said, where have you been? The devil says, I've been walking to and fro, seeking whom I may devour. He says, have you considered my servant Job? You've been looking. Don't you see this righteous man standing right in front of you? No, God, I don't see him because the Bible says in the New Testament, my life is hid in Christ. The devil doesn't see you. He sees Christ. Your, your life is hid in Christ. Like she said, we don't know how to play hide and seek. So God had to cover us. Notice this with the exit. The way out is the way in. The Bible says that when God did this, he didn't do it in a corner. So with God, there is no front entry and rear exit. We see it with a lot of, of celebrities. They, they, they try to come in and out of the back door. So people really don't, they don't want to draw attention. But God has made us a city that is set on a hill, and a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. You will show forth the praises of God, whether you like it or not. That's what he called us to do. And the test and the trial is the thing that places, it puts you out there to shine. This is why it is not wise to follow instruction, don't let the sinner see you cry. Well, if they don't see me cry, how are they going to believe my testimony that God is able to wipe away my tears? Mm. 
They've got to see a transition in my life. I'm not flaunting, but you don't get jewels and hide them. You get jewels to show the bling bling. God wants to show his bling. You think man is the first person to want to bling bling? God wants to show you off. Not for you to get high-minded. Not for you to think more of yourself than you ought to think. But that he might get the glory. Just because we don't deserve it doesn't mean that we're not worthy of it. However you got in the mess is the same door that you'll come out. Let us look at Peter. We see the escalation of Peter's rap sheet here. And it gets worse and worse. The first arrest was at a local jail. But this second arrest was more severe with double shackles and 16 exclusive sh uh, soldiers. As we grow in God, our tests become increasingly difficult. God's power adjusts to our growth and subsequent tests, trials, and temptations. The scripture says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. At one time in your life, you prayed for God to give you all that you needed. When he gave you all that you needed, don't you know that upset the devil? That brought about more tests. When more tests come, the Bible says, let him that is afflicted pray. Now, God has already given you all that you need according to his riches in glory. But then something becomes so tedious in your life that now that you need to go above all. So God becomes your above all. Just when you thought you got above all and you walking in victory, here comes the devil again. So he gives you abundantly above all. Not only all, not only above all, but then he shows you his abundance of what he can do for you. And then sometimes we read of people in the Bible that had their final test. Abraham, his final test was to take his son kill him and set him on fire y'all know that if somebody told y'all that we would be on the phone so quick with the police we'd be caught we have cps on the phone so quick but look at this isaac wasn't a child isaac was 25 years old full-grown man. Yes. Yes. So the question is, where is the willingness of the child to lay his life down? Now, he requires us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. But notice, it's a living sacrifice. What God wants to do through and to you is not going to kill you. You are a living sacrifice because he already 
was the dead sacrifice. And the sacrifice that he gave summed it all up. This is why Isaac didn't have to die. This is why you didn't have to die. This is why Peter, in this text, did not have to die. So in this case, God becomes Peter's exceedingly abundantly above all. Sometimes when we pray for things so much, for so long, and there's no answer, we become weary. We start to doubt. We, we start to wonder, does, Lord, are you really even concerned about my situation? Personally, my situation. I can read the scripture and, and, and talk about how you delivered so many, but right now I'm in, I'm in need of deliverance. And I need to know, will you do for me what you did for them? Will you become personal to me? This is, this is not selfish to ask because he, he shed his blood for you. Notice here, this is funny because anybody ever lost sleep when they were worried? Tossed and turned? Our text says that Peter was asleep. This is the night before execution. Now, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they didn't go to sleep. They stayed up all night singing and praying. But Peter goes to sleep. No song, no prayer. Let's get Psalms 4. See, God wants us to know that we can relax and rest in him. It's a ploy of the devil that causes us to skip over certain words of scripture. He says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith he may cause the weary to rest. We skip over that. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But we quote, Stammering lips and other tongues will be speaking to his people, yet they would not hear. <laughs> then we wonder why we got no rest. Well, you skipped over the good part of the scripture. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 4 and 8. Let's read that together. I will both lay me down in peace. And sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. We must have peace when we lay down. There must be a release from the day's turmoil in order for us to have peace. Without the peace, you don't get the good sleep. You may lay down, but you didn't lay down in peace. Laying down is one thing, but actually laying down in peace, it's the peace that brings the sleep. Peter had peace. He didn't just lay down frantic, worried, stressed, anxiety. He had peace. 
What was Peter's peace? If you pick up John 21, verse 18, you, you'll read his peace. Jesus told Peter, you're young right now, but when you're old, somebody's going to carry you where you don't want to go. Now, Peter took one little promise out of God's promise right there, one little word, when you get old. Now, Jesus is really saying that you're going to be put to death. But what he was really saying is you're going to be put to death at an old age. Peter wasn't old yet. He gonna lay, he's laying down on the night of his execution knowing that Jesus said, I'm going to live till I'm old, and there's no way that Herod is going to put a finger on me and take my life. You've got to know what God has spoken over you. You need the Damascus experience. You need the conversation piece. And Paul, Paul had a lot of folk around him, but the conversation was between two folk. So you got to get folk out of your calling and let Jesus dictate what he wants to do to you. So all of God's promises are yes and amen. It's very important that we search the word for every promise pertaining to us. They will bring much peace because his words are life. Their spirit. Nobody can disannul it. Nobody can put an end to it. Nobody can stop his word. So while Peter was asleep, the church was up praying at Mary's house. He sleep and they up. Laid out. This is the late hours of the night. This is not midnight. This is going into three and four in the morning. Prayer. We like to quote the last phrase of this scripture. But there's power in the first part of it. James 5 and 16. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed from what? Heal from the faults that you confess to each other. But when we keep it secret and we just say, pray for me. <laughs> Christianity has taught us to elude our own blessing. Yeah. Dang, you don't tell nobody your business when you ask them to pray. You don't need to know my business. Just pray. The Bible says confess that fault. What do you do? When you confess it, number one, you expose the devil and take his power out of the situation. Now, what you do want to do is find somebody that you know is going to really pray for you and not. Yes. But God has somebody for you to do that with. He'll give you discernment. That's the first part. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We praying for healing, but we ain't praying for one another. And we ain't praying for one another because we don't know one another. That's right. It's not easy for us to get up here and say that fear has been our enemy for the longest. Doubt and some other things that we refuse to name. I'm praying that we all get there. To be able to, to release it. He said, I will both. Lay me down and sleep. 
See, now saying pray for me might get you to lay down, but the peace is not there because you have not released the anxiety from that particular day. And what's happened with us, uh, the days have stacked up. So we got a whole lot of stuff on top of us that we, we, we need to pray for. We need deliverance from. Notice in our text, it was the angel that fetched Peter, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. There's a five-point teaching here on prayer. Number one, prayer must be intense. Can't be casual. Number two, it must be ongoing. The Bible says that, that prayer was being made for Peter. It wasn't made, it was being made continually. And it denotes ongoing activity. Number three, prayer must be to God. In order for it to be to God, you have to have contact. In order to get contact, we have to follow the instructions of Jesus in order to get the contact. You could dial somebody's seven-digit number, but if you don't have the right area code, you ain't getting nowhere. You try to jump a car battery if you want, but if the wires are crossed, the connection is not made. The right connection has to be made. And we have to make sure that we are connected to God when we come to God and pray. And for one thing, you can't have vain repetition. If we go to God in faith, God spoke once and said, let there be light. He didn't have to repeat himself. We are created in the image and after the likeness of God. And one, I started to write a short book and I never finished it, but I was, uh, had titled it The Power of the Tongue. And my main scripture was, we are created in the image and after the likeness of God. And he put the power of life and death in our tongue. So if he didn't have to repeat himself, we shouldn't have to keep repeating ourselves. Vain repetition means that you ask for something over and over again with vanity attached to it. This is why I said, tonight our deliverance is going to come to us through our intercessory prayer for somebody else. Another thing with prayer, it can't be an unbelief. So now we got to look at how we ought to pray. Jesus gave us the key to prayer. He told them specifically, when you pray, this is how you pray. Yet we can hear somebody get up in front of a, a group of people and prayer be as off the wall as it could be. Jesus just told you how to pray, and he's the one that came down from heaven. As simple as it is, we got all these different kind of prayers. When he says, first of all, when you pray, you pray and acknowledge me that I am the Father. That word means that I am the creator. You realize that nothing exists without my permission. Then you realize that he has given you a name. Hallow it be your name. You realize that the name that he gave us has power to it. This is why he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in my name. He goes on down. Now, we're not going to go through the whole prayer. But he gives us the form, not to repeat it, 
And how many folk went to Sunday school as kids and went into adulthood saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is not what he meant. He's trying to give you the key, the area code to, to heaven. He has given you the key to open the door of heaven. And all we could do is repeat it. That's what vain repetition is. And we do that, but then we turn around and accuse the Trinitarians of vain repetition when they quote Matthew 28 and 19. Well, that, you're not doing it. You're only saying it. Well, what are you doing when you get up and pray for 20 minutes and don't even follow the Lord's example? So we need to repent of our prayer life. If there's anything that we ought to learn from, especially as apostolic folk, in God's word, we ought to learn that the pattern matters with God. Not just the pattern of Acts 2.38. Not just the pattern of Deuteronomy 6 and 4. But the pattern of prayer. Your communication with God. Number four with prayer. Your prayer has to be specific. God is a personal savior. Therefore, our communication with him must be on a personal level. We can't be vague. The Bible tells us to pray for dignitaries and pray for those that are in presidential and, and places of kingship. We don't now pray just for the office of Lord bless the president. Now we ought to be specific. Call his name. They were praying for Peter specifically. They weren't holding prayer for James's mother who, who just lost her son. They were praying for Peter. And number five, your prayer must be communal. It can't be self-serving all the time in other words we must realize our part in the larger design of God's plan we are part of a body here and we are connected in the body of Christ see in King Herod's mind he was killing two of the pillars of the church and he saw how much it pleased the people talking about the two doors to our miracle our text says that in the night hour, a light came on. A light didn't come on in the neighborhood. The light didn't shine on the, the whole street. The light didn't shine on the whole prison. The light only shined in Peter's cell. Light denotes illumination, revelation, Divine knowledge and wisdom. God is going to cut on the light, but it's in your cell. So don't get mad at folk because they don't see the light. Stop trying to get folk to understand and realize and try to persuade them that God is doing great things in your life. If they don't see it, it's because the light is not for them. The light is for you. I think that the light actually led Peter out. Because the place, no doubt, was dark, pitch black. 
But God has a, a divine navigation system for us that even in the darkest hour, you can find your way. And folk wonder, how do you go about life without running into walls? It's so dark. I can never go through what you go through because you don't understand. The Lord is in the process of setting me free. A light appeared. Next, the Bible says that the angel stood beside Peter. Then he woke Peter up. How did he wake him up? What did our text say? He poked him in the side. Now, hear the instruction of the angel. He gives a, a, a series of orders. Number one, he says, quick, wake up. That doesn't mean that we're in a hurry, but that means that God is waiting for you to wake up quickly. Now, once you wake up, he's going to allow you to take your time. But some of us have got to wake up. Some of us never realized we were supposed to pray like that. We never realized the reason I'm going through so much hell is so that Jesus could become my exceedingly abundantly above all. So he says, wake up. Put on your clothes. Put on your shoes. Put on your coat and follow me. Notice the practicality of God in this miracle. While the shining of the light and the appearance of the angel are miraculous, the putting on of the clothes are ordinary tasks. That means that as miraculous as God is working in your life, don't you ever stop doing what God is calling you to do in the natural realm. Some folk think that we just got it easy. God's on my side. I don't have to do anything. Oh, no, yeah, you got work to do. You, do, you go about doing the natural things that God has called you to do. A true miracle will affect both the natural and the spiritual realms. So here, there's no apparent rush. Peter was given time to put his whole wardrobe on. When the light shined and when the angel spoke, the Bible says the chains fell off. All you really need is a word from God. And when he speaks, you're loosed. Nobody had to get out a key and pick the lock, get a hairpin and try to pick it. But we so busy trying to pick the lock till we don't ask God to speak. Just one word. And it's a special word that's made for you. So the angel had Peter dressed in his usual attire. He didn't put on a costume. He didn't take the guard's clothes and try to dress up as a guard and fake the other guards out. So what God is telling us, just be yourself when God delivers you. Don't try to become somebody else because God is trying to work out a miracle in your life. Be yourself. I told you I was going to take my time with this. There's no reason to get out of character. How many folk do we know just as fake as they ever were talking about God delivered me? then who are you? I don't know who the me is and God delivered me. Who, who are you? Put on your own clothes. Then yes. he says that when he took them out, he says they passed by two cell blocks. I believe that the first and the second block depict and denote the first and second heaven. 
Because this miracle is a miracle that needs to take place in the third heaven. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot enter into heaven. And we know that when Lazarus died, he got an angelic escort because his spirit didn't have the capacity to pass itself into the heavens. He needed somebody that was in the third heaven to come and get him and show him the way. So God wants to take us past the first and second realm into the outer, past the iron gate. When they were in the third dimension, the Bible says that the angel left him. It is the duty of the angels to carry the prayer requests to and from heaven. This time, Peter was the package, so he's the one that got the escort. Did y'all catch that? Let's get Genesis 28. We'll see it. Verse number 12. It says, And Jacob dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, the New Testament lets us actually know that in the last days you shall see the Son of Man upon the earth, and you'll see the angels of God descending and ascending upon him. We know that it was an angel when Daniel prayed to God. God sent the word back by what? An angel. It got stuck for a while in, in spiritual warfare. For three weeks, 21 days, the devil delayed the answer to Daniel's prayer. So the angel is the escort for the prayer request. Peter is asleep. The saints are praying. The saints are praying for Peter. So Peter gets on the elevator of Jesus Christ. And the angel ascends him through the first heaven, through the second heaven, and escorts him into the presence of God and walks away. Because when your prayer request meets the third heaven, the angel has done his job. That's why he left Peter once they got past the gate. There was an iron gate between the second cell block and he said the iron gate was the gate to the city. We sing it all the time. I, I'm going to make it. Make it to that city. You got to go through a gate to get there. Proverbs 27 and 17 says that iron sharpens iron. Look at this. They were passing through a gate designed to detain Peter. But this iron gate had to open, the Bible says, on its own accord. The angel didn't touch it. Peter didn't touch it. But it had to open on its own accord to let the superior iron through. Peter was the one who held the keys to the kingdom of God and therefore was a superior iron gate to that of the prison gate. You got to realize the message that you carry. When Peter went in, the prison gate sharpened him. When you go into your testing trials, you are being sharpened. 
But when you come out, you're sharper than the gate that sharpened you going in. Iron sharpens iron. Peter gets out. He says, I must be dreaming. How did I get out with no effort of my own? How did I get into the presence of God? How did I make it past the first and second elements and get past the gate and into the city? How did I do that? Well, if it's too good to be true, it must be the Lord. <laughs> now, the first door is covered. The first door opens on its own accord for you. When you prayed, when Daniel prayed, the Lord sent the answer back the same day. That door opened on its own accord. But now there's another door. While the saints are still praying, their prayer request is knocking at the door. A lot of prayers that we think are, are, are unanswered are not unanswered. They were praying and heard the knock. Now remember, they weren't praying just one night. This is a week celebration. The Passover is followed by seven days of feasting. I don't know what day they started praying, but Herod was determined to crucify him the very next morning. As soon as the Jewish holiday was over, he was going to kill him. So they had been praying for about a week, nonstop, continually. See, we come to these retreats, we get a worship of, of one hour, maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. But they went nonstop. They were probably actually like the Roman guards. Well, one fell asleep, they called somebody else in. Well, I'm, I'm a little tired, I'm going to get a little rest. You, you take my place in prayer, tag team. So no doubt they were in a pattern of prayer, and they were probably expecting the same result this night that they were last night. And that was that Peter wasn't going to get freed. Don't allow yourself to get stuck in hopelessness. You may have been praying for five years, but you always got to keep up hope that this could be the night that my prayer is answered. Thank you, this could be it. The thing that I've been knocking on heaven's door with. This could be the night. If God could get us to have the mustard seed amount of faith, you could get it tonight. But you got to have faith. And sometimes what happens with vain repetition is it eliminates your faith. Why not tonight? Tonight is special. Tonight is not only the night that we remember, the, uh, remember Israel coming out of Egypt, but tonight the Lord has answered my personal prayer. This is what the saints at Mary's house had to deal with. They were in a time when they were supposed to be celebrating and remembering the exodus from slavery. But Lord, I read about the Israelites. My question is, can you do it for me in this situation right here, right now, tonight? So Rhoda gets the door. The Bible calls her a damsel. Her name means rose. 
the answered prayer request that is knocking on your door is going to need to be answered by a different kind of fragrance. A different kind of beauty. The Bible says that when we praise him, we are to make his praise glorious. There is a beauty in praise and worship. And, and there, it has to be answered. The Bible says that when we pray, we ought to lift up hands without what? Without wrath. And without doubting, because the wrath and the doubting makes the answer to the door ugly. But he wants you to answer the door with a rose. Make his praise glorious. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The Bible says that Rhoda came to the door, but she didn't come to open the door. She only came to hearken. She came to listen. Why? First of all, it's the middle of the night. Woman ain't supposed to be opening the door at 3 and 4 in the morning. There's all kind of danger lurking in the street. For one, it actually could have been Herod coming to persecute more of them. So she recognizes the voice on the other side of the door. Some of you have been hearing things sensing things like like I'm on the brink of my prayer being answered but I really don't know it sounds like Peter on the other side it sounds like what I prayed for it looks like what I prayed for it, it, it's awful familiar to me but the fear in me won't allow me to open the door because it might be Herod I would rather open the door with the fear and let my blessing in if it is Herod, at least I'm going to die hoping. But if I don't open the door, I got to live the rest of my life wondering what if. What if I would have opened the door? She never saw Peter's face. She only recognized his voice. Upon the sound of his voice, she started shouting. So because what you're going through and because you've seen uh, an inkling or what it might look like God fulfilling your prayer request, what do we do? We shout. We run. We speak in tongues. We haven't opened the door. <laughs> you got happy because it looked like God was answering your prayer. How many of us are excited because it looked like or seemed like God was answering our prayer? Things have been lining up. People have been moved in and out of your life. Jobs have fallen in your lap. But it's only the voice. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered in the heart of man the things that God has in store for them that love him. He's waiting for us to open the door. He's glad that you're excited that the blessing's coming. <laughs> but it's here. And it's knocking. She was so overjoyed that she didn't let Peter in. The other said, you crazy. It can't be Peter. Why is she so crazy when y'all been praying a whole week for Peter to get out? 
People are not going to believe us when we tell them our prayers have been answered when we don't come to them with the results. Rhoda came and said, Peter is out at the door. Well, why didn't you let him in? We sing, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, but after you sing, you're depressed. Where's the joy? Don't miss your blessings while you're rejoicing. Because in certain settings, when the Lord really comes through, what he has just done, he has stopped time for you. When you're in a setting and God honors you with his presence, time ceases. The reason I know that time ceases is because that God is eternal. And when eternity steps in the time, he gives you a piece of eternity for that moment. You can't miss it. You got to be alert to what God is doing when he steps in because when the door closes, he might move on to the next person. I'm praying that tonight that we will realize our, our opportunity of eternity. As you knock on the door of heaven, the blessing of God will knock on your door. Rhoda didn't open the door because of joy, but the others wouldn't open the door because of unbelief. They just did not believe her. They tried to explain it away. Don't explain away your miracle. They were willing to call whatever was at the door anything other than the answer to their prayer. They said, first of all, they said, you're crazy. They said, okay, if you're not crazy, then it's not him, it's an angel. Why would an angel knock on a door? <laughs> Angels don't knock on doors. They walk through them. They appear. But Peter was determined to get into the meeting that sparked his deliverance. Your prayer request is anxious to get to you. It's anxious to get to you. And although you don't open the door, and there's confusion now going on because one is saying the blessing is here and the other say you're out your mind. One is saying, no, he's really here. The other is saying, no, it must be something else. But the blessing is saying, would y'all please shut up and let me in? When God sends a blessing, it will keep knocking until you let it in. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. He said, everyone that asks will receive. Now, we like to say that when we, we do it all the time, when we witness, the wind blow it where it listeneth. Now here's the sound thereof, cannot tell where it's, when it cometh, where it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And we stick on that. Everybody that gets the Holy Ghost will speak in tongues. Well, this scripture is telling us everybody that asks God for something will get an answer. Everyone that seeks will find him. Everyone that knocks will get an open door. He will hold, withhold no good thing from you. But the key is you must delight yourself in the Lord. You can't delight yourself in somebody that you don't trust. Just like Jesus gave us the prayer to pray. 
when you do things the way God lines out in his paper in, in the book, there's power to it. One of the greatest commands given to the Israelites was that to speak blessings and not cursings. He gave them the power to bless. He gave this church power to release his servant. And God gives us, spoken by God himself, the key to bless any and everybody you want to bless in your life. Before I read it, Psalm 3 says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? And put Peter in your mind as he's laying in the prison with this. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. He heard you in the third heaven, although your prayer originated in the first. Here's Peter. I laid me down and slept. I awaked when he poked me in the side, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies Upon the cheekbone, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, God shall condemn. So he smites them on the cheekbone and breaks their teeth. They can't utter anything against you now. Here's the key. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Then he says, thy blessing is upon thy people. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Proverbs 10 and 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich, and he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. What God wants to give us, there's nothing you could do to increase it. You water your faith. You water seeds. But miracles are full grown. They come in, in totality. There's nothing that you can do to add to the blessing of God. Now let's get the blessing. I want you when, you, when you want to bless somebody in your life, use the scripture. We say God bless you. But there's a key here in Numbers chapter 6, verse number 22. Now the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons that they are to give this special blessing to the people of Israel. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Then God tells him this. This is how Aaron and his sons shall call down my blessings upon the people of Israel. Simply by quoting this blessing over their life, 
The King James says, this is how my name is placed upon them. And I myself will personally bless them. So tonight we are going to pronounce blessing in this form, the way God said it. Because for years we've been saying, God bless you. Bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. But he says, if you want to place my name on them, and in this place I want to place his name on y'all tonight. This is how we do it. Let's stand. Let's grab hands. Now, I know that we have needs in here tonight, but we're going to join hands and bless each other. And then we're going to go into a season of prayer for somebody that could or could not be in this room tonight. They are on the brink of death, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual death. Somebody is waiting execution tonight that you know and you're going to stand in the gap and release the power of prayer and trust that God is going to send an angel whether it's in the hospital room it could be the, a marriage a night away from divorce a relationship a night away from severance but we're going to pray for them but first we're going to pronounce this blessing Let's join hands. This is the blessing that God gave them. And it releases the power of his name upon the people. For the one on your right and left. Repeat it. May the Lord bless. The Lord bless and protect you. And protect you. May, the Lord's face May the Lord's face. Radiate. radiate with joy. Because of, you. because of you. May he be gracious to you. Show you his favor. And give you. And give you his, peace. his peace. It's done. Uncertainties about your tomorrow seem to grow. One thing you should remember, and you should always know out of everyone who loves you. your heart Hallelujah. 
and I'll hear every word you say. And when you cry at night, I'll wipe your tears away. Just pray, my love, and I'll be there right Just put your faith and trust in my care, oh, I will always be there to hold you in my arms. When you're afraid, don't worry, I'll protect you from the storm. Out of everyone who loves you, remember I love you the most. I am just a prayer away. With your heart and I'll hear I am just a prayer away Call my name with your heart and I'll hear I am I'm just Just call my name with your heart and I'll hear every word you say. And when you cry at night, I'll wipe your tears away. Just pray, my love. Just pray, my precious love. Just pray, my love.